it was absolutely wonderful to see electricity for the first time. I thought to myself, what a, a most beautiful invention. Now we do not have to worry about the lights going out. <laughs> but uh, if you're going to take the, the horse and carriage at night, then yes, it would be wonderful to be able to see rather than having to go around by candlelight. Hello, everyone. You've just been listening to a man named Jonathan Hunter describing seeing electric lights on the streets of London for the very first time in 1882. Now, this isn't a really old recording. In fact, I recorded this with Jonathan earlier today. You see, whilst Jonathan once lived in Victorian England, he is now a spirit, being channeled by transmedium Elaine Thorpe. But when my guide came, he suddenly said, I'm Jonathan, Elaine's spirit guide, and she said hello to him, and I felt my whole body radiating, it's like stars all lighting up inside of me, it's like the whole body just lit up, I'd never experienced anything like it. In this interview, I get to speak to Jonathan and ask him all the questions that just seemed really obvious to me. I begin, however, by asking Elaine about her journey into studying mediumship. I've been doing it for, for 14 years, or just over 14 years, and my father, in the 1980s, he was a physical medium, a physical phenomena, and I came into it, <clears throat> I didn't completely come into it until I was 38, but um, I used to sit in his circle sometimes, and when I was about 15, so the first time I sat was quite an experience. My brother came to me that had died a year earlier and he came to let me know he was there. So it's quite emotional. The trumpet used to fly around the room and toys would land in your lap. And we knew it was all genuine, you know, because if anyone had been holding the trumpet, the human hand would have covered the, the luminous paint at the bottom of the trumpet. So there wasn't any hand attached to it. It was quite amazing. And, and they had things like, um, direct voice they had a few apports coming in there which i i didn't always get to see because i was at school at the time i know he started traveling about and sat uh, in iceland for a group of two over 200 people i think it was he said if i could remember um and still the trumpet flew around with the red light you know they put the red light there and it still flew around and leslie flint's guide came through and and did a his thing with the trumpet. It was uh, amazing. So he went on for over 30 years doing that. And, um, and that's when I came into it in later life. It just seemed to happen. So that's, I mean, that's a very unusual experience um, and a very expansive experience to have at a young age where you're growing up in a different world to the kids you're going to, to school with. And I suppose that's, uh, I mean, what, what was that like? I'm just curious to ask what was that like when you go in um, to school or something and you've seen trumpets flying around the room and manifestations of spirits and your your, your peers that's that's got to be so far out from their experience but was that okay for you to it, it was fine you know I just sort of I didn't seem to hold on to it I, I went to school as normal and I don't think I ever told anyone about right. it I, I never really I had a few friends and I never really mixed with crowds of friends, so I didn't bother telling anyone. I guess I just forgot and went to school. And it was something you were quite happy with as a child. You didn't find it scary or overwhelming. Did at first, 
when I first sat, um, I sat and I was 15 and dad said, oh, you can come and sit in our circle tonight. And they explained the rules. They said, don't touch the trumpet because it can damage the medium and, and don't get up or don't go out of the room, stay put. So I thought, well, okay, I'll do as I'm told. And I sat in there and then it was all happening. And I thought, wow, what's this? And then the trumpets, I explained to you, come over to me. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. There's got to be a hand on the end of that because it was pitch black in there. They blackened the room out and you couldn't see a thing. You you could kind of feel people's energy in the room and and know that they were sitting next to you. And I thought, well, the trumpets come to me. Well, no, I'm not allowed to touch it. So I, I let it do its thing. And I was a little nervous, I must admit, because when you've got something coming towards you that's of the unknown and you've never, yeah. ever experienced that, you were thrown in at the deep end, you think to yourself, well, what's it going to do? Is it, is it going to come into my face or what is it going to do? But it, it came next to my leg and I, I, I examined it because your eyes can play tricks on you in the dark. And in that amount of dark, they can play tricks on you. So the luminous paint was at one end of the trumpet. It was like a, a steel trumpet that my, um, my foster father had made, actually. And they put the luminous paint on each end of it with the tape. So I looked at the other end of the tape that you would imagine if you were holding it. And I thought, well, I'll examine it. There's got to be something there, but there was nothing. There was nothing. All I could see was like this etheral mist. And I thought, well, obviously I'll blink my eyes a few times. And it's amazing because when you sit in the dark, your, your brain associates that amount of dark with sleep. So you don't know if your eyes are closed or open half the time. And so I, I kept my eyes open. Being young, I was able to stay awake in there. And... I looked at it and I thought, wow, there's just like a mist coming off it. And then it, and I don't know why I said it. I said, is that you, Peter? That was my brother's name. Mm -hmm. And, and it nodded. Yes. I just burst into tears. And as I burst into tears, it, it stroked my leg. And then it flew at, a, at such fast speed over to the other side of the, the room where the other sitters and it went to them. And it would spell names out so that my mother and her friend would have to decipher these names. And once it had spelled the message out, it hadn't yet done direct voice, but they did get some direct voice okay. on tape in those days. Um, all you had was tape recorders back then. It was amazing, I don't know. So many things would happen in there. Okay, so then you, you kind of moved away from this for a number of years before going back into it. Do you feel that was part of like your path to step out and I, I don't know what you did but you you lived your life yeah and then... I, I just kind of left school went to the training scheme I think dad carried on with his sittings on and off um and then I didn't come into it until I was 38 and at 35 I started beginning to when I first had my daughter at 31 I started getting interested in it again so I, I left a, an old-fashioned tape recorder on in the house and I took her out and I prayed for the house and prayed for everything to come from the light. And, and I always knew about prayer because my, my mother and father had taught me about prayer. So I prayed and, and then I thought, right, I'm going to take my daughter out in the pram and come back in a couple of hours and see what happens. 
Well, I came to the house and I turned, I rewound the tape, turned it back to the beginning, and wow, I was quite, you know, freaked out by it at first. But I thought, well, obviously, I've asked for the light to come in and my house to be protected, and I asked again. And I played it back, and it sounded like somebody had turned the tape on in another dimension. They turned it on again as it was playing, and they'd speeded it up, and, and the voice sounded like it had been fast forwarded and speeded up and then there was a huge breath as if to say ah, I've, I've done i'm done now and then total silence just white noise of the tape that was it so the house was in silence and that was it so i thought wow so i left it a few months and i tried it again and i went out done the same thing protected the house turn the tape over to the clean side there was nothing on it to make sure and there there after about oh so many minutes I heard a little girl's voice and it said my daughter's name and then she was playing with the toys I could hear her tapping toys around with my daughter I had a room full of toys and it sounded like she was tapping a little drum and that oh, was absolutely amazing and I assumed that to be my twin because she always used to come back to my dad's circle and she comes back to me as a, as a little girl. But my daughter used to see her as an adult, you know, and she used to come and show herself to her. So that's how it began. And then I started to get interested in it and I, I kind of left it and went to go to do cleaning for my work years later. And I started a circle and it happened to me in Ireland. I just had my, uh, what I assumed to be my father-in-law come through in the hotel in Ireland. I went to stay there and I, I went to sleep and uh, I kind of drifted into a half sleep. And I said, well, if you're here, can you let me know? It's our last day here and I do miss you, you know. Nothing happened. I, I laid there laid on my tummy in the bed and, and the children were in the other double bed and, and me and my ex-husband were in the other and all of a sudden I felt my stomach pull in and these these words came out trying to speak to um their dad you know I assumed it to be him I assumed it to be his father and it just happened it seemed so quiet and the kids said oh it's so loud mum it must have woken everyone in the hotel it was so loud I said well it didn't seem that way to me so I I thought to myself well this is very very strange how this has happened so suddenly what is it so I called my mother's friend and she was a hypnotherapist and unbeknown to me she knew about trance and sat with my father so she said it's trance and I said well what do I do and she said well there's a group you can join I'll give you the lady's name Go and sit with her and it, it went from there every week i used to go back and sit with the with the group and it was, it was lovely it was i used to go back and sit with them and go into trance and it was kind of an experiment we never expected anything anyone that was sitting in the group would listen to the music go into meditation we would experiment and see who came through and that went on for a couple of years and then I went away and created our own group with a few friends that sat every week on a Monday 
in a friend's house. And eventually we, we decided to black out and try for physical, but that, you know, that wasn't meant to be, it was meant to be just about the trance. And it just built from there. So I sat there for six years and then it kind of ended. And we stayed in another friend's house, you know, so everything kind of went into a red carpet thing where everything was laid out for me, basically, mm -hmm. by spirit. And I was meant to go um, and start at the beginning and get to where I am now. And at some point in that, Jonathan Hunter appears. Yeah, he appeared a few months after I started the trance group. He didn't appear in the group. He appeared in next door where my friend used to live. She asked me to come in and uh, a few of her friends were there and they left and she said, oh, can you show me your trance, what you do? I'm really interested. I said, well, I'm not sure. I've only been doing it a few months. Let's, let's just have a go and see. She said, all right. I said, I gave in and I started, prayed and did the trance. And at the end of it, uh, my guide showed up. I didn't even know about guides. The lady at the group really hadn't explained about guides and anything. We just sort of sitting there and went into it. Mm -hmm. And everything seemed to fall into place. But when my guide came, he suddenly said I was, he was Jonathan. I'm Jonathan, Elaine's spirit guide. And she said hello to him. And I felt my whole body radiating with... Oh, oh, you can't really explain it. It was like stars all lighting up inside of me. It was like the whole body just lit up. I'd never experienced anything like it, but it was amazing. I thought, wow, spirit guide. And for years afterwards, I questioned it. And is it an altered ego? Is it a spirit with some sort of ulterior motive mm. to come and take over? It took a lot for me to to step back and believe in it but I still loved it something just kept pulling me towards it so I went back to the group and he, he then started speaking regularly and he he spoke it was back in 2005 I still got the tapes and he spoke quite plainly and normally like using my voice but with no expression and over a period of quite a long time he started learning how to speak in the way that he does. So I went away from the, the circle and went to my circle that we created that I told you about and what happened then was he started speaking even more like he does. It was it was like he had to learn how to use okay. my vocal cords. Yeah. It was crazy and but every time I doubted it something inside me kept saying no this is right this is right this is meant to be this is right and would you say it's been a personally transformative experience for you because you've just mentioned there about this feeling of stars i've heard you all the time say there was a, a really strong feeling of love coming through this experience Did, have you found it personally transformative in the way a kind of mystical experience might be transformative oh yeah it it's like an experience that you would never ever forget it's like a child being excited about going somewhere and they say, oh, are we going to get there yet? And they're all butterflies in their tummy. And it was, it was more my whole being, though. It was the whole of it had that. There was butterflies in my stomach. My heart had 
um, not palpitations, but it kind of lit up. Oh, it's, it's just a whole bodily experience. You, it's very hard to describe. It's like, oh my goodness, what was that? But in a good way. Mm -hmm. it, it was lovely. I'll, I'll never forget it. And um, you describe like being sceptical yourself of this, of saying, is this some kind of thing emerging from my subconscious, some sort of personality alter? Is it something with malevolent intent coming here to, to take over? Um, I know you went through sort of like some sort of verification of Jonathan Wright in that he showed you the church he was, uh, I think, christened in and told you it had been bombed and this kind of thing. So was there an evidential aspect to it for you, of like, as well as the feeling of positivity, a confirmation yeah. from what he was saying? He ha I, I said to him once, well, if you're true, you have to show me. You have to prove to me that you're real. You have to give people evidence. You have to show me any evidence of yourself in your life. I set about ringing churches. Once he told me or told the group where he'd come from and everything, I set about wanting to find him. It was, it was difficult, you know, and I got frustrated and I thought, well, Maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe I'm not meant to have a birth certificate or anything like that. Maybe I'm just meant to trust. So over the years, he's sent me so many signs. I said, look, if you can't, if you can't produce anything, then show, just show me signs that you're around. I'll give in. I give in. I trust you. Let's go for this. And over the years, he started showing me signs that he was around. It took quite a few years before he did, though. Um, I was going down a motorway towards Portsmouth to do a demo. And all of a sudden, my friend was driving along. I just happened. To, you just glance across, as you do. And that second I glanced across, I see the lorry, uh, the vehicle with Jonathan written on the side of it, covering the whole lorry in huge letters. I thought, wow, what are the chances of that? What are the chances that I should look that way at that second and see that? Thank you. I said, that's a sign. You, I must trust you and that you're around. And then I had years later had a, a demonstration in London. As soon as I entered London, where he came from, again, that feeling of the heart center all lighting up with like a huge love feeling and a huge anticipation excitement like oh my goodness i've arrived where he is yeah it was and then i looked to the right as we were going along in the car what should i see his surname on on a on a digger hunter i thought well what are the chances of that we're coming into london i see his name well went back again same thing happened. We drove past the shop in London. It was called Hunter's. It had an S on the end, but it was still the Hunter word. And then when these two friends came along to take me to London eventually to see the St. Mary's Church in Islington, we drove past that Hunter's shop again. I thought, that's another sign. He keeps doing it. Because I doubted the surname. I thought, well, oh, anyone can have the surname of this, that, and the other, Hunter. No, it's um, something he had to prove. So he kept showing me his surname mm -hmm. everywhere and, and that first name. Uh, and you, you believe he found the church? Sorry, um, carry on, please. Yeah, we did. Uh, years before, he said that he was married in the St. Mary's Church in Islington. 
So I thought, well, I want to find it. I want to find it. And he said, I, it was bombed in the Second World War. And he said, part of the tower end remained and the rest of it was all, you know, desecrated, he called it. So I thought, right, I have to find it. I have to look on the internet. And I hadn't yet looked and I thought, well, I'll check it out. And I found photographs of that church bombed in the Second World War, as it said, and with the tower remaining and the rest in ruins. I thought, that's incredible. It's all true. I thought, well, I, I must go there. I must go. I must please find a way for me to get to go there. Well, two friends years later turn up to take me there. They travel all the way from Essex to Margate to take me there out of the goodness of their hearts. And couldn't find his grave because previously when I'd asked the church, he said a lot of the graves were exhumed after the, the bombing and moved to other places. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were destroyed, the gravestones, and there was only a very few there. So I couldn't really make out any of the writing on most of the graves. They, they'd eroded away. Yeah. But I, they took me into the church. And it was, it was all modern but old inside. And they'd, they'd put in huge windows in there. I thought, wow, I feel, I feel amazing in here. So they took me up to the front and they said, come on, go into trance and bring Jonathan through. I said, I can't, it's a Christian church, I mustn't do that. I said, I must respect their wishes. They, they said, look, there's no one in here. I said, look, it'll have to be quick. I said, if anyone comes in here and sees me doing this, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> They'll throw me out and, you know, what I mean. So I, they put me a chair by in the corner up near the front of the church. And he came through and he said, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing her here and thank you for allowing her to see that I'm real and this this is what I'm she's meant to be doing. And I, at the end, it was quite emotional. It was emotional. I did cry. And I thought it's just finally that he'd proved to me that at least some place that he'd been in existence in had been there and what had happened to it and everything. And I finally said, well, if I don't trust you now, I never will. Hmm. At the back of your mind, you still ask questions. Is it me? Is it them? You, you, I knew a man that had doubted for over 35 years. He said, don't worry about it. We all have doubts. It's our mind. We're inquisitive. We want to know more. We want it there in front of us. And I listened to him and I thought, well, I've just got to follow my heart. I can't doubt anymore. So you... You work with people too, right? You do, you do sessions where Jonathan comes through and offers his perspective from the place he's at, of not being in this world, being in the spirit world. I, I'm very yeah. curious to know how people receive them, um, not so much in the evidential sense of does Jonathan tell them things that they couldn't, he, he shouldn't otherwise know, okay? Although feel free to mention that if you have you know, an interesting example, that's fine. But more I'm interested in, how do you see those sessions affecting people? Like, do people give you feedback that Jonathan's perspective helped them become clear on what was going on in their life, help them resolve things within themselves, help them uh, understand the direction they're going better? Did, what kind of feedback do you get from, from people who undergo these sessions? Amazing feedback. You know, they've come to me and said, well, this has come true that's come true or I, I went back and found out a name later to be true or yes I, and 
he's had people crying because their loved ones have come through and they've finally realized that they're there and you know they're in a safe place it's, it's amazing they they recommend me and things and i think well that spurs me on to keep going you know it spurs me on to think well i've got to keep helping these people and i, I love spirit so much and they're, they're doing a big thing for me here and for these people i must keep going so the feedback is an encouragement for me to believe in what he says is to be true and when the evidence comes through and you can't deny it because you don't know anything about that person you haven't researched them and where did that come from there was one person she had her mother come through and, and the mother actually physically showed me her feet and how she'd been dressed in the coffin and that was all turned out to be true and I thought wow I've had a, a, a physical spirit be right next to me it freaked me out a bit it did feel strange but that was proof in itself so when you're in trance and Jonathan is coming through you, do you experience anything of what he's experiencing in terms of contact with people's relatives and so on? I do. I don't always physically see them like I did with that, mm -hmm. but I've seen them physically at least twice. Okay. Under the plants. They're so real. They're so solid. It's just like you and me sitting in. Mm. And sometimes I get a sense of where the soul might be standing another set of time I might get a sense of half of their body being there or just a kind of an illusion of what they looked like and when he describes it it turns out to be correct or they maybe they can't always first fathom it out and think well I, I don't quite know who that is and then they find it out or you know it's it's sometimes difficult to see them I can only it's, it's like they show you a picture inside of your mind while you're under the trance and, and that's how you see. Oh, okay. 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 Well, I'm, I'm sure I could carry on asking you questions like all day, but um, <laughs> is it possible to pose some questions to Jonathan directly? Yeah, sure it is. Okay, everyone. At this point, Elaine put on some music closed her eyes and spent almost exactly five minutes going into trance. The next voice you'll hear is Jonathan's speaking through Elaine. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Jonathan. Very nice to be with you again. And thank you for consenting to this interview. You are perfectly welcome. I do enjoy connecting with you all. Very good. So, I've got a few questions on my mind, and you please let me know if you think there are things that are important to say that I'm missing, or yes. go on, okay? Um, but I'd like to start just by you informing the audience of kind of who you are, really, and that my understanding is um, you were born in your last earthly incarnation in the Victorian era, the 1840s, and lived in this earth to the 1890s prior to returning to the, the spirit world. Is that correct? That is correct, sir, yes. Well, I, I can't skip over that. that. That must be, it must have been a, a time of great change you lived through in that era in terms of technology, 
the railroads laid out, you would have seen electric lights in London for the first time, uh, things like photography, and also a time of great social change. The population of the country doubled, and there was a lot of social welfare reforms and a, a kind of changing perspective around those kind of issues. Is that what was that like for you? Is that how you look back on, on your life as a, as a time of change for the world? It was a, a great time of change in the 1800s, yes. Going from the late 1800s into the early 1900s, of course, you had your vehicles, which started coming in, but by that time, I had already passed to the beginning of it. But yes, it, it was wonderful to have these railroads laid down, but they only ever took short journeys. They didn't go as far as what your railroads go today, but even a, a short journey would be rather crowded. But I chose not to take that route, simply because many people would gather on the railroads and there would be disease around at times. And so I would avoid it with much respect, of course. What one thing I read that must I thought must have been striking for you was the you would have, you lived in London, correct? Yes. And you would have lived through the first electric lights going on in London. Now that must have been quite a thing to behold. Is that something you that sticks out in your memory? Yes, it does. It was absolutely wonderful to see electricity for the first time. I thought to myself, what a, a most beautiful invention. Now we do not have to worry about the lights going out. <laughs> But uh, if you're going to take the, the horse and carriage at night, then yes, it would be wonderful to be able to see rather than having to go around by candlelight. And a time of social change too, in the things like slavery had been outlawed um, in Britain prior to your birth, but in the United States, you would have lived through the, um, the civil war there and the, the legal ending of, of slavery and a sort of a shift in perception um, of what it is to be human, I suppose. But also things have changed a lot since your departure from this world and now in that you lived really at the height of the British Empire and people had um, you know, very different attitudes um, to things like foreigners and other races than they do today, um, different attitudes on sexuality and such. So what, what's it been like for you to live through that and then to see how the world has changed since in its humanitarian values? I would say that uh, I didn't want to be judging anybody for who they were, but a lot of these things were kept behind closed doors. If, if they were put to the public eye, it would be seen and, and scorned, you see. And sometimes in certain situations, you would be sent to prison for it. Mm. But I think that changing today in your world as it is, it is amazing that everybody has come to accept things more widely in your world, in your society, that it is so open about sexuality and other things. You see, in my day, a lot of rich men would uh, find these uh, prostitutes and they would go with them privately and pay them, you see. And then it would all be hushed up that they would go and have their baby aborted and sometimes these backstreet abortion would come about and mothers would be dying through it, you see, giving birth, dying through these abortions. And sometimes the babies, if they were going to be surviving and the mothers would be poor, they would sometimes have to give their child away to, to have some money to feed the rest of their situation or their family, you see. 
And so therefore, uh, if you have your fostering today, a lot of that was underhanded and children were handed over to rich families. And so therefore the mothers would never see them again. So it was quite a sad time in, in the way of those sort of things going on. And, and the rich men would hide it away, you see. Right, right. Uh, do you recall the attitude in Britain uh, when slavery was banned in the United States? Do you, what, what was the kind of, what was your perception of that and the kind of wider perception? Do you, do you recall that being something that was spoken about? Well, the wider reception was that it was something that was beginning to be accepted in our time and that nobody wants anybody to be in, in a way of slavery. So you see, in, in my home, we didn't have any of that. I, I used to have a, a cook named Maisie and, and she was of colored origin, yes. She was of foreign origin and we did not mind her, you see. So at that time, a lot of the rich people would take on these these foreign people and they would have them as, as cooks and maids and things so that they were treated properly, you see. And now it's hard for me and, and anyone here really to understand some things about the world you're in now as you describe it. For example, you will talk about there not being time there, at least in the way we understand it. And I'll, I'll maybe ask you more about that in a moment. But I'm curious to know, because I, I really don't have a sense of what it's like for you to look in on our world. So I, I believe you understand like the history of the, the 20th century, that you've been able to keep an eye on the world between the time you departed and now, and, and you understand events like there were, um, there were two world wars and that uh, you would know if the, a man went to the moon and that kind of thing. Is that, is that correct? Yes, I think it is most wonderful. So if, if I want to learn about history or science or anything, or literature, I'll read a book. Okay, I know I'll read a book on, on historical events, um, or I'll read a, a novel on uh, literature or something. But, so that's how I might find out about different things. What is it like for you in the spirit world to find out about events going on in the world? Or do you ever read fiction? Okay, Alice in Wonderland came out in your lifetime. And obviously lots of different books uh, since it. So do you, do you um, what is it like for you to learn about our world? What, what, what form does that take? We understand that nothing stays the same. Everything is progression and elevation from the old to the new. So we understand that everything has to forward itself in the way of ascending or ascension. And, and man would create more modern things in life wouldn't they they would have to grow and move forward it's not a case of going backwards it's a case of going forwards much like the soul is going to ascend it will ascend further into the higher realms of spirit well in an earthly sense you are going to have progression everything must progress and man will invent new things all of the time or they will better pre-existing things they will modernize them. Uh, but what is it like for you to look in on this world? Do you see events playing out in the world like you would see a movie or do you, do spirits like read books in that sense or is that a totally foreign concept or something that's not necessary for you? You would only read a book through thought. 
everything is through thought here. So if, if you were going to have, a, say, a precognition about something, and, and you would see it, well, that is how we see it. We see the event happening. We know okay. that it had already been planned previously. It's somewhat precognitive, isn't it? And so do you... Um, so one question I was planning on asking would be, and I'll come to it in a moment, but um, mediums will often talk about the, the, the difficulty, the challenge of what they do is distinguishing between noise and the signal. And then I thought, well, that, that's an analogy to radio. And I wondered, would Jonathan understand that analogy? Because it's, it's dependent on technology that really came into popular use after he departed from the world. So do you um, struggle with our modern cultural references that we might draw from films or something, um, like uh, the analogy to radio? Or, for example, um, everyone, everyone living now and for the past 50 years, pretty much, knows what something called a lightsaber is because it appeared in a very popular film called star wars so if i say if i make a reference to a lightsaber everyone here knows what i'm talking about now obviously if i made that in victorian times no one would know what i'm talking about so do, do you understand what i'm asking there do you understand our modern cultural references i do because i already know about them okay <laughs> so you know so what a lightsaber is a that is already done but it is undone for learning purposes <laughs> i'm sorry say that again i didn't quite understand that last point well it is a little bit like a, a puzzle that you put together isn't it right if you were to previously see a puzzle on the top of the box already completed mm -hmm. you would have to start from the beginning in order to complete it in order to learn how to put it together as a, a full existence as what you see previously on the box that is a little bit like what we see. Okay, okay. Everything see, you see. So, so you do understand if I say something like a lightsaber or um, radio transmission yeah, or... No, because that is something that man had invented as a, as a, as a fictional thing. Right. We, we know about these things. You see. Okay, okay. pre-planned. And your experience of um, passing from this world for again for about the past 50 years since 1975 really humans have become very interested in studying near-death experience okay and we, we've accumulated quite a body of literature of people who have gone right to the point of death maybe crossed over and then been revived and that's tied in obviously with technological improvements that we're better now at resuscitating people and and people describe um maybe initially fear and then a calming down of that and coming into a great presence of love and light and meeting loved ones and relations and then maybe hearing it's not their time to go yet and, and coming back to the world Do, is that consistent with your experience of passing over yes it is when i passed over i saw my body below me the earthly body the physical body as you would call it i would see it below me and i would be floating above it but I would feel a great sense of peace, warmth and love. And then when I was to turn myself, I would see my grandmother in the light, putting her hand out to me and saying, Jonathan, it's time to come home. Take my hand. And I would take her hand and go into the light. And as I would go into the light, she would sort of disappear. But I wouldn't feel alone. I would feel this light pulling me further toward it. And becoming at such peace 
and, and tranquility and love that I would know that I was safe and that I was loved. And then when I came to the end of that light, everybody would be waiting for me that had previously passed. All of my ancestors, I would know. So you see that is what it's like. Many purport to see the light, but others will enter into gardens and places where they would find such peace and warmth. Mm. The majority will see the light. Because that's been something of a mystery in our efforts to understand this, in that there seems to be a cultural element to it and a consistent element. So people report seeing elements from their own culture. So Christians will tend to report a Christian experience and might meet Jesus. Buddhists in China have a more Buddhist experience. The Japanese aren't a very religious people, so they see a, a, a sort of generic sense of light. And increasingly, as we become less religious in this culture, we see less religious figures and connect more of our family. So, but what's consistent is this sense of love and light behind that. So is this experience appearing to people in a form that they can accept it and is most welcoming to them? Yes. You are made to feel safe and you are given your cultural memories simply because that is what you will recognize. If, if you were to see perhaps something that you didn't recognize, you would question it perhaps, but you would immediately feel warmth and love whatever you had believed. And there's a very small percentage of people, it might be as low as 1%, we're not quite sure, who have very scary experiences at this point and what you might traditionally think of as hellish imagery. Now, some of those people actually later on reflect that that was very positively transformational for them because it alerted them and they were living their life in a, a self-serving manner or something and they, they changed. It was, they feel like healthier for them than if they'd have had a more positive experience. But can you speak to that, that there's a small number of people who uh, have a, a quite a scary near-death experience? Well, as you have stated, it helps them to turn their lives around and to believe in the afterlife and, and believe in negative and positive, and that you can go through the negative to bring yourself as an eventuality to the positive, you see. Mm -hmm. Of course it is going to be a frightening experience, but when they come back to life, they realize how precious their life is mm -hmm. and that they have been given a second chance of life. And so quite usually it will uh, turn them around and change their perception of the way that they live and what they believe in. Now, one question that I've struggled with, okay, you, now you um, describe yourself as having, you can remember having lives previous to being Jonathan Hunter, going back into time. Yes. Yes. So one way that we've, we here have tried to understand reincarnation is to draw an analogy to being an actor, in that an actor will play all sorts of different roles. They can be a good guy one week, a bad guy the next, um, play in different time periods, in the future, the past, etc., etc. But when they leave that role, they return to being whoever they are as a person, okay? So we've wondered if, like, it's similar with reincarnation in that the soul takes on different personas and then returns to being whoever it is prior to that, when it, when it leaves that, um, that body. But you, when we spoke before on this, during the session we had, um, you described it in what sounded like a bit differently to that. You said that 
you inhabit the last persona that you occupied. And it sounded to me like there's not a kind of persona existing on the level of the soul that exists prior to the different incarnations you take on. Could you elaborate on how you experience that, like having a, a sort of core identity? Well, the, the core identity is the soul. The soul will reside in in much similarity of character to look at in a physical sense to the previous. So you see, the same soul will occupy just different physical bodies. And it will come here to learn through many experiences of, in the way of emotions. And in the way of overcoming previous incarnation fears or insecurities in some way or traumas it will deliberately bring them back with it in order to try and overcome them in this life and to learn about unconditional love in human form so yes previous to the life that you had lived you may take on a similarity of look a similarity of personality with slight difference because of the way that you needed to learn in that incarnation so you see, you go back home, you are still the one soul that originated in all of those beings. So when you're, when you're in the spirit world, are you, as, are you Jonathan Hunter when you are in the spirit world and not just when you're coming through connecting with me? Or do you identify more with that soul that's prior to incarnation? The soul, yes. Mm -hmm. So it would come back as a previous in, incarnation that would be most recent, you see. Because okay. you would want an identification of a previous incarnation. You see things as an identification, but when you go back to the spirit world and become the soul, you are just the, the consciousness, the soul. But you could, if you were going to meet loved ones that were going to pass, you could present yourself as that person that they would have recognized in life as a presentation of a right right so are, are you presenting yourself very much in the form of jonathan hunter for reasons of connecting with me and coming through into this world so you have a persona there to present that is right yes. okay okay thank you thank you and i was talking to elaine before about her development as a medium can I ask you, what makes Elaine such a good conduit for this, in that she is able to bring you through so consistently and fully? Well, it is a case of, uh, it was born into her, it was all planned before she incarnated into this world. But the fact that she is very spiritual and, and, and very uh, trusting of spirit and, and loving what she is doing, that creates a greater connection. The trust in, in oneself as a human, the trust in the spirit that is coming to reside in your energy for the period of time they're going to be communicating is, is one of a perfect connection because we are very closely connected as souls. So you would call it a twin soul, but we are the perfect okay. reflection of one another. So it is, it, if she was going to look at me in a human form, she would say, well, I recognize that person just by looking into their eyes and I feel a deep connection. Okay. Okay. So if you have a, a deep connection with the spirit guide, then it is much easier to make the connection as, as I would as spirit and she would as human. The two blend together perfectly. 
Okay, and Elaine obviously described a period of development for herself in, um, well, straight up developing this, but also in coming to trust the process. And she put it that you, this was something that you also had to learn to do, and initially that your voice wouldn't come through as strongly, you would be more in her voice, and then you, it was a process of learning for you to um, use her vocal cords in a way that could project your voice. Is that is that accurate, that you had to learn this? Yes, that is right. We as souls on the other side, we are coming to blend with an energy that is more physical and densified. So you see the gravitation of it, the, the pull of the physical energy feels quite heavy to us. And if you imagine, we don't have a physical voice anymore. So in order to for us to blend with the energy, we have to create somewhat of a manipulation of the vocality. So we have to put a somewhat of an ectoplasmic energy around the vocality, around the energy of the person we are blending with, and then the communication can take place. But it, yes, it does take time to learn how to... It, it's a little bit, bit like puppeteering, isn't it? <laughs> you, you learn how to move the arms and the legs of the puppet that you are using for the, the puppet show that you are presenting. But in our way, we have to manipulate energy. And when you come into a human energy, it is much heavier, more densified. So we have to slow down our vibrations in order to join your world. Right, right. And so no, another... Another question along these lines. When we had our session, there was some information you gave me about um, relatives or friends of mine that you were communicating with, which mm. we had to kind of figure out and it wasn't immediately obvious to me how to relate to it. And then other information you would come through and you just straight up gave me the exactly correct name of a relative. And it was the correct relative, correct name, just straight off. So. I'm wondering about that, like what your experience of this is. Is it in some ways challenging for you to bring information from, let's say, my relatives or anyone's relatives and um, to connect with that on the spirit world and bring it through? Is that something, because let's say mediums in this world, um, it's challenging for them because they, they have to distinguish between what's arising in their imagination and the signal that's coming through of mediumship. So um, sometimes they get information wrong for that reason and sometimes have a really good day and sometimes a bad day um, and so on. So what is the experience like for you? Is it also a challenge and something that you have to develop to be able to connect with the relatives of people and then bring that through? Well, each and every energy is different that comes through. And, and sometimes they will find it harder to present themselves. And it depends on how the, how the medium is taking things, how they are going to be opened up in, in the way of receiving the message, you see. And sometimes you will get other members of their family or members of their family and friends that are around them that they have not seen in a long time and have not much connection with they are all desperate it's a little bit like uh, switching a television on and everybody wants different programs right. on so you have to uh, bring through which is most necessary to that person the best that you can with the energy that you have and it is depending on whether that person is perfectly able to receive the energy of this 
particular soul that is coming through. So it, it depends on their beliefs and whether or not they're going to be receptive to receiving messages. Some you will find in your human world are more open to things than others, so they are better able to receive messages from spirit than others are. Others may have doubts, so that if they're going to be sitting with doubt in their mind or they do not speak back to me when I'm trying to communicate with them, then we do like to hear the human voice because that is of an energy. And when their loved one perhaps hears their voice, they will step in and start to make communication with them. So that is, that is how it's working, you see. Okay, so the, let's see if I can summarize this. The quality of connection between me, say, and my loved one, um, that varies for you depending on multiple factors. It can be that you get a very clear sense of the person trying to connect with me or it might be more fuzzy, more difficult at times. Yes, that's that okay. right. Okay, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. So if we don't get a name, we will sometimes give a description of the person. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'd like to know a bit about the, the kind of spirit world where you are now. Now, in some ways, it, it almost seems to me that it's maybe impossible for a human on this plane of existence to really get it, to really conceptualize it, because you talk about an existence that, where time is not the same, or it doesn't exist, or, and for, for me, that's a very hard concept to mentally take in. So is it possible for a, a human to really understand the spirit world in that sense? You have your times. You have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 12 months a year. Well, you are going by time. Time is, is what you would see as something of a metaphor, but it isn't, because it is associated with numbers and divinity of time. So it is meant to be there on your earth, and we understand about physical time. But because we are in, in a place of bliss, we have nowhere to rush to be, you see. If, if you send us your light to communicate with us, we will join you. We will not look at a watch or clock. So time in the heavens is something that passes by, you see, that we understand the concept of time, but you look at it through numbers, numerals, things. So we would not be having to rush to be anywhere because we are in eternity. Eternity is also a depiction of time, isn't it? That is, it's not at a start or an end, but it is eternal. So you see, we are in a place where we are eternal. And, and no time is needed. Time is of conditioning of a place that you may need to be in at a certain time, but time is still something that has a greater meaning to it. When I say divinity of time, everything arrives in that perfect time that it is meant to be there, the perfect planning that is meant to be there. So time is something that you need in your world because your physical body needs to be awake for a certain amount of hours and asleep for a certain amount of hours. You have day, you have night. Okay, another aspect of the spirit world which is hard for us to conceptualize is living in a non-material world. Now, of course, we experience imagination and dreams, but so much of our growth, say, in this world is because of the resistance the material world puts up. We can't just think of something and have it appear. We have to 
figure ourselves out and figure out how to manifest our lives and, and so on and how to conduct relationships in a healthy way, how to conduct business in a healthy and productive and ethical way and, and so on and so forth. So I'm curious to know, do you in the spirit world feel that you're growing and developing and becoming more as time goes by? Do you, do you feel a sense of spiritual or personal or collective growth um, in this non-material realm? Yes, we do. We are learning in the spirit world. And of course, if you wanted to look at it in a simplified manner, we are learning to make greater communication with your world so that you have the greater understanding of our world. So yes, learning is eternal. I have learned all of these years of Elaine's earthly life how to communicate in a better way through her, how to present things in a better way. Okay, I'm, but I'm if most spirits... I can communicate. If most spirits aren't involved in that communication, what, um, what challenges do spirits face? Okay, because if we have this kind of image of, um, well, there was a popular film called What Dreams May Come, uh, with a famous actor called Robin Williams, who went into the spirit world, and he portrayed a world of imagination where your thoughts were directing things. So people existed on levels where, um, which reflected their thoughts back to them, essentially. And it's hard for us to conceive staying in a world for, like that for very long, because what would, um, what kind of challenges would it put up? What kind of challenges do, do spirits face in their learning? There is not so much of a challenge. We do not see anything of a challenge on the other side. But everything is a communication with your world, because some of the souls that choose to stay in spirit will sometimes help bring people together in your world. It's a certain divinity of time. So you see, we're all working from this side to your side. Okay. The things in your world and ours. It is nothing of a, a bettering in our world, so to speak. Forgive me for putting it that way, but we are learning. It is all about communication, about healing as well. So, so what goes on in the spirit world is almost ubiquitously concerned with the goings on in this world. It's very much tied in, okay? Yes, very much so, because you are coming from that world into this world. If I was to ask you a metaphysical question, like which world came first, if you like, because um, did, did the spirit world give rise to this physical world as a, a place where spirits could have a more embodied and material experience? Or did the material world give rise to the, the spirit world? Um, I can elaborate on that if it doesn't make sense, but uh, does, does, does the question make sense? The question would make sense, yes, because you started off as a soul and you chose to have the physical experience as a human incarnation. And it began to get more and more that we would come in and have this human experience that we wanted. So it is something of choice, isn't it? We all come in to start off for progression. Choice. Of, of human existence that we could take on if we wanted to. Okay, because now with modern science, when we look at the universe, um, we predict it goes back 13 billion years or so, and there's a very much a materialist philosophy in the world, okay? And scientists are trying to look at how consciousness arises out of this material world. And that's in conflict, say, with a more spiritualist philosophy, um, which sees consciousness as the first principle and the material world arising out of that. So 
how does the, the spirit world kind of fit with that? Did the spirit world come into existence with the birth of the universe or did it predate the birth of the universe? Do, do, do these questions make sense to you? Well, of course, I would not have all of the answers. No, <laughs> <laughs> there are things that we want to know, but don't. And I would say to you that consciousness has always been there and, and since the beginning of the universe. And look at all of the years of that and beyond. Okay, I think I just have one more sort of planned out question, uh, Jonathan. Thank you for your, your patience on this. And that's to do with a sense of um, what you prioritize, okay? Um, in the, what seems important to you to convey as a message now you're in spirit? Um, for And maybe the best way to ask that is what seems unimportant, okay? So, for example, um, I take it you're not sort of super keen to spend your time talking to historians about the Victorian era, because indeed there may be historians who would think it was fascinating to be able to talk to someone born in the 1840s. And there are people here who dedicate their lives to obviously science and to resolving um, historical mysteries. Um, just as an example, um, there was a president of the United States, President Kennedy, who was um, shot in the 1960s. And for the 60 years since then, people have been trying to resolve um, what happened. And we humans take a great interest in resolving historical questions and getting an accurate version of history. But when I hear spirits come through, that doesn't seem to be a priority for them. It doesn't seem like their uh, priorities are the latest scientific discoveries or resolving historical mysteries such as that, um, or political systems or any of the above. Uh, it seems like what's important to you is to convey a spiritual message that transcends that. Is that accurate? Yes. You have just answered the question. Uh, yeah, I guess I did read I should have left it for you to answer yeah, that. Looking at your human world and you are forever progressing in it. But you could progress in a physical manner, but what we are trying to get across is for you to progress in a spiritual manner, to awaken the consciousness to the greater realms of the universe and spirit. So everything that is previously done is for a purpose of the now. You are always going to be in the now. You could look back to the past, you cannot change anything, but you could try to fathom it out to better your world in your modern society, to find the answers of why did they do that then? And, and perhaps we can better that now, we can progress through the information that we have received from past times in order to make things more of a, I would say a great creation in the modern society, you see. So you learn from the past, but you cannot go back to it, of course. You could go back to it in your consciousness, perhaps, if you're going to go there with your consciousness, but or you can research it in many ways and feel the experience of it, but you could never really truly go back to it. So do spirits feel in some ways that it's not their place to interfere in the human world that way, in terms of like, you know, and I don't know what spirits could bring to bear, but in terms of, say, contributing to historical research or something, that that's not the focus of the spirit. Well, if, if, in a sense, yes, we will contribute, because if Elaine was going to go back and research me and found out that I was to be born where I was, she would be going back to the past to look me up, wouldn't she, to find me in order to put her mind at rest to find out who I really was, you see. So that you're looking back to the past from that historical events, some people want to know about their ancestry. So they will look back to the past times for that. 
So there is a greater reason for everything, isn't there? There's an answer for everything. Okay, but like I'm asking this because it's a question. It may it may sound like a silly question to you, but it's a question people are, are interested in. Um, because from our perspective, it seems like the logical question to ask. So, for example, you um, would you have an opinion on, say, the causes of the First World War, or would you be able to resolve, say, who was responsible for the assassination of John Kennedy, the, the American president? Or, or are these questions that are, are outside the scope of what you would address? It, it is not really needing to be addressed, okay. because it is an event that has previously happened, and that there was nothing that they could do about it because it was meant to be at the time because that particular soul chose to go back to the spirit world in that manner and that in going back the, the people of the earth would learn something from it you see it's all about progression okay well thank you for that i'll, I'll just ask one sort of final question that I, about the state of the world today in that i think a lot of people feel society now is more divided than it has been in recent years um, both in in britain we've had a a vote um about leaving this european union um and that's divided society almost down the middle and people feel very very strongly one way or the other um, it's brought up the question of the irish border again and i just think it's interesting that that question about irish home rule was going on when you were alive and it, to a certain extent it's still going on today and over in the United States, the, the political scene has never been more divided. And there's a kind of um, hateful energy coming through with that and a polarization of society. So I, I ask all my guests this really about how their perspective speaks to that kind of division. And what would you say to the world today from your perspective to speak to the kind of divisions we have arising? Divisions are always going to take place in your world no matter what time or place that you are in, negative and positive run alongside each other in order to get to the greater good, you see. You need to go through the negative in order to understand the positive. So sometimes the negative is meant to happen to bring you to that positive. And there are always going to be differences of opinion on your earth, aren't there? Everyone will argue to the point of, well, we're, we're going to find out what's going to happen anyway, and we can't necessarily change it because it is only our opinion. But in the end, it, it, it matters of a percentage of who is going to choose who and who has the greater percentage of, of the votes. So I will say that everything is for the perfect reason, because through negative, eventuality is positive. So although many, everything may seem like a, a terrible place at the time, in the future of it, it comes to the positive. And does that division carry on in the spirit world, Jonathan? Because I think we hear... There is no division. There is no division. No, no division of opinions or anything? No. Because I, I think... Right. Okay. Okay. So you don't, you don't disagree on anything. You don't. Um... I know that everything is as it is. It is as it. And, and, and all your fellow spirits, when people leave their body, they they drop their baggage and opinions yes. that way. They don't. You, you are born into this world with an ego. You see. Yes. When you go to spirit, that ego does not come with you. You you have a non-existence of an ego. You are only consciousness. Okay. Pe people drop like they don't carry on being buddhists or christians or anything of that nature or there is having no opinions on economics or anything 
there is no religion and spirit. They will bring across the knowledge that they have from that in their previous life and perhaps use it to connect with the human being in a spiritual manner. For, for instance, if one was a doctor in the previous lifetime, they had knowledge of operating, but they would operate in a more spiritual manner than a physical manner. They would not need any tools as such. They would operate through their consciousness to the other human being's consciousness in order to heal that human being, which was the patient. So you see, they may have a passion about what they did in life, and they will bring it back to the earth through the human medium. Okay, Jonathan, but what if, say, you have two scientists or two economists, say, in this world, who disagree with each other's opinions and disagree on what the right theory is and what the right way things to go would be, and then they both pass away at the same time? If they were to meet on the spirit world, would they, one of them suddenly say, oh, I see the error of my ways and why I was wrong about that, and that... Or do they continue to have different... They would, right, okay. Yes, they would. They would have the greater understanding. Well, maybe I hadn't uh, learned something on the earth that I would need to learn in another lifetime, perhaps. And that person was to know the answer, and I wasn't yet to be advanced enough to know the answer to such things. Perhaps he had the better approach, but there would be no argument or disagreement about it. Okay, that sort of... Well, there's a distinction there, maybe, that that kind of egoic strife goes away and that need that I need to be right about this and I need to win a comp that that goes but there's that, not that necessarily ego, you see that comes under ego but ego is an emotion with with ego you will have opinion with ego you will have happiness sadness anger elation whatever it is you will have every single emotion within that ego sometimes you will have jealousy so a lot of those emotional states Emotion isn't just about laughing and crying. There are several different states of emotion. Every morning that you get up, every day of your life, you will experience emotion through ego. But really, when you get to the spirit world, everything is just love. You are love within inside yourself. Your soul is love. But the ego teaches you about unconditional love in human form, but you are already love within, but you want the human experience. So you must have an ego to go with it in order to help you to learn through it. You see, so everybody's going to have difference of opinion. There's nothing that you can do about that. Nobody is going to think along the same lines. There may be several millions of people that think along the same lines. And then you look on the other side of the fence mm -hmm. and they have the opposite opinion to what you have, you see. Beliefs as well, religions, all sorts of things that have differences of opinion to each one of them. Okay, Jonathan. Well, I've bombarded you with a lot of questions and you've been very graceful in answering them. Thank you very much. Is there anything that you feel it's important to say or you would like to say or anything I've, I've missed? Well, I would like to say about your world. I had mentioned the mass exodus and the mass awakening. I had mentioned that many years previously, and many of the other souls, or the mediums that will be connecting with the souls, will say something of a similarity to what I am saying. The mass exodus is taking place with your diseases, uh, but it doesn't mean to say that everybody is going to pass to the spirit world, because there will be the mass awakening. The mass awakening is the awakening of consciousness connection to oneself and the spirit side. 
So it is awakening to one's true self. And many will come forward and stand up for their rights with many things in your world. It may seem like there is rioting and terrible things going on, but it will all end up bringing one to the greater good or many to the greater good. When the mass awakening takes place, most of you will feel it. Most of you will start to awaken and real, come to the realization that you are at one with oneself and the connection with the universe and all that surrounds it and is within it. So and everything I say will come true. You see these substantial changes happening, say, well, I don't know how long my lifetime will be, but within the next 50 years, say, within the, the lifetimes of people living yeah. now. There, yes. there, there, will be, there will be wars as there always has been, but they are advanced wars. There are differences of opinion between different countries and one wanting to be greater than another. They will always be battled in some way or another. And there will always be communication from the outer beings as well, because they have, perhaps their consciousness has already raised to a higher level, but they have things to learn as well. So you see on your earth, as I'm going back to your earth, forgetting about the traveling into other galaxies or whatever, the other universes. But I will say that this is what is happening in your world at present. The mass exodus, and then comes that mass awakening, which is right alongside it. Everything will start to die down where that is concerned. What I have first mentioned of the, the, the exodus will start to die down. Not everybody is going to be wiped out. Human mankind will still continue. They will still continue to evolve even though the masses have passed over. Okay, yeah, this, I mean, this is a message that we've heard from various spirits coming through. Yes, other souls will bring that message forth too, as well as I myself. I'm not the only one that will do it, of course. But we want to make it clear to you that the world is, is not particularly ending. And then there is some form of a pole shift. You see, with all of your earthquakes and happening, there, are, there is an experience that there could be a pole shift on your earth. And, and you so she is evolving. The earth is evolving and shifting all of the time. There have been volcanic eruptions. There have been earthquakes for many, many years but she is evolving along with yourselves and she is greater in, in, in capacity than you are. You see, you are mm -hmm. only a minuscule dot, but, uh, but your consciousness is massive. So I will say that uh, in this, the way of the spiritual awakening, mass consciousness connection between our world and yours is going to be on a greater scale. Okay, so you and all the spirits are, you feel it's important to convey this message about a mass exodus Yes. so that humanity doesn't misinterpret it or think it's the end of the world that we maintain so <laughs> yes this is not going to be the end of mankind okay you see you will find that uh, the population will perhaps dissipate somewhat because of the mass exodus But eventually they will learn how to control different diseases that come into the world, but they will wipe out thousands before they learn about it. You see, thousands have chosen to pass back through disease and, and war and such in order to help the others that are existing on the earth after them to learn to come together with mass consciousness awakening. So from the spirit perspective, the diseases are arising because people have chosen to pass from the world. 
diseases are going to arise because you are in a human world where bacterial things exist and and spread of humans it, it's going to go through humans and it's going to cause others to pass and others to be able to fight it off and stay here and learn something from it you see okay disease has always been around for many many hundreds of years it is just humankind learning how to to dissipate that how to control it and they will learn how to do that they will bring something together in the way of your vaccines so it's it's not only going to advance one's consciousness it's it's going to advance humankind in the way of controlling diseases and and learning how to emanate uh, knowledge in which to get rid of them you see okay okay but then if if one disease dies off another will always arise somewhere won't it but it may be greater or lesser than the last So you see all of this is going to come about and, and other mediums will experience the knowledge about this, other trance mediums, their guys will bring the knowledge through of this. We know all about it. Okay, John, well, just a, a follow-up to that, Jonathan. Do we have to be concerned about the messages that are coming through? For example, um, just as I mentioned, some people have very negative near-death experiences and we talked about that being a learning experience um, whilst yes. i think the the vast majority of people's experience of any kind of what we would call after-death communication is positive and healing there are some mediums uh, who report negative experiences uh, or for example i've interviewed a doctor who worked with people who are um suffering mental illness and he became convinced that they were being hearing voices and being tormented by uh, negative entities, negative spirits at a certain point, uh, either lost spirits, hungry ghosts who were uh, unaware that they'd um, died and were kind of trapped here, or spirits of a real negative intent. Is, is that something that we have to be concerned about? Yes, you will get spirits with a negative intent. They are adults. And they will incarnate through many lifetimes to an eventuality of becoming a positive person again. But they may have to learn through many lifetimes in order to get there. Mm -hmm. And, and so just as you on to, to physical people that are perhaps depressed or clinically mm -hmm. depressed in some way, and they hear voices and things, yes. And just as you're... Um describing you're giving this in some ways information to help people on a personal level and then you're talking about a mass exodus and a global awakening so we get a kind of sense of the global picture and direction of the world and one thing that humanity has always wondered about going back thousands of years is these negative spiritual entities controlling governments and trying to direct the world in a certain way and there's that's something going back to groups called the gnostics two thousand years ago who who had a concept of archons controlling the world. And in, in modern times, uh, it's an area that people have re-explored. Um, to what extent, um, I mean, you could call them demonic entities or really negative entities have tried to not only affect individuals, but shape the, the destiny of the globe for ill. Is that something that you're aware of or is that uh, not true, do you think? Yes, I am aware of that, yes. 
there are there are negative entities that are closer to your earth's atmosphere and and some of them have passed in angry states or they have committed atrocities so their souls need to come back and have these many incarnations in order to bring themselves to a higher state of mind and a higher state of good so you see they do hang around your earth and they do try to control things somewhat but you can use the power of the mind use the power of the mind to think of the light do not revel in the darkness mm. think of the light be the light give the light experience it don't let others draw you into negative thought because that will bring you down a lot of these people are controlled by this negative thought because they've had perhaps unhappy lives and they dwell upon the negative because that's all they know if they were shown the way you see instead of being thrown into these places locked up if they were shown the way in the first place this is all about the spiritual awakening showing them from a young age to think about the light and be the light and not be influenced by negative behavior okay thank you very much indeed jonathan I, i'm very happy to conclude there if if you are that's uh, okay you are most welcome sir thank you really appreciate you coming through it's been very valuable and thank you for answering my questions okay at this point jonathan departed and elaine took around 30 seconds to emerge out of trance elaine was aware of most but not all of what had been said we had a chat, a lot of which was just recapping what you've already heard, so I haven't included it. Towards the end, however, we had a conversation about negative entities, their use of deception, and the need to protect oneself when doing this kind of work. I'll play that part for you now. Yeah, he did say that, um, he said before to somebody that the uh, computers were meant to be advanced in order for the way that we're communicating and that you'd be able to spread the word of the light through this technology mm. that was deliberately put there but then he said that negative would obviously be able to get through these things like it does but most of it would be positive connection to to bring people together with friendship to bring people together with yes. spirituality. Yeah. we did touch on the negative at the end i asked him about um well initially asked her about people who have negative near-death experiences and um you know he explained that as a learning experience uh which yeah i i had already said that um people often find them very transformative in a positive way and then yeah. just at the end i asked him about people having um negative experiences of spirit contact where a spirit is they they later conceive the spirit was deceptive in some manner or um and how different people conceptualize this as being like hungry ghosts or something deeper and darker again and he, he just spoke to that a bit about spirits hanging around the earth and, and trying to influence things so bad sometimes yeah yeah that does happen i i've had that experience myself and my father had that experience right so what it taught us was be to be more protective of ourselves and who we come into association with when we're sitting with them and such mm. so you place it taught me to put up a barrier and put up protection wherever i am so that that's going May through ask, that was it bit, did the spirit try and be did the spirit attempt to be deceptive with you in yes yes it, it was it come it turned out that it came from somebody else it came from a young man that was my son's friend that he had several attachments which were a group attachment mm. 
so they were like a collective group of of negative souls that would come together to create one energy which could be used as a literal physical use in our world so uh, they then latched themselves onto me when he left and we no longer allowed him to see it so they were meant to be I don't know I don't know if they were released into the light or what what happened but when when I got rid of them I felt cleansed I, I felt wonderful so after that it taught me to protect myself which I hadn't been doing before and it taught me to have greater knowledge of of people's energies um, to study their energies and how you feel around their energies and whether you mm. see them negative or not that are suitable for sitting in a physical phenomena circle everything in physical phenomena is very sensitive you have to have positive thought in there you know people have to be kind of vetted to see there's any of their spiritual or life background so if people were seen as having depression they weren't allowed to sit in the circle oh, okay okay if people were on some any sort of narcotic drugs or anything they couldn't sit in a, in a physical phenomena circle that would have influence on what came through or, or any negative thoughts so it just took one little um disagreement within my dad's circle and it went in but it you you know you have got to be careful of spirits perceiving themselves to be something they're not because of what happened to my dad that's what made me question jonathan that's what made me question if you're in doubt of things question yeah no that's sure because i mean people have had very negative experience like there's a famous book called, i forget joe fisher um in the siren call of hungry ghosts where he felt he got involved um with the trans medium who then encouraged the spirits coming through encouraged them to do all sorts of negative things and form relationships with people in the group and people to leave their partners and all sorts and yeah, um, yeah. but you wouldn't know from the things that were initially being said because it all sounded sweet and lovely initially you know and yeah but people have conceptualized this in, in different ways like about like lost souls not i've spoken to mediums who talk about lost souls not knowing they're um, dead and they're wandering around a bit confused and latch onto a body um and i've also spoken to um a psychotherapist who worked in um in prisons and mental institutions who came to believe that schizophrenia was really quite negative entities trying to feed off people's emotions and and treated it as such yeah, and, and i believe that i believe he reported that. much greater success when he explained it that way that look what you've got here is an attachment and if you um, if you go to church, if you involve yourself with positive spiritual things, if you don't listen to the negative thoughts, um, that entity is going to find it more and more difficult to stay with you. So you've got to cleanse what's in you. It, very often, like very often, very negative childhood experiences had caused a, a, a gap where this thing could get in. So he, he talked about it and treated it in a kind of healing of that. Um, and that's been consistent, I think. Um, I've spoken to people across the spectrum, people who believe this is maybe a brain-based phenomenon to people who believe it's um, hungry ghosts to people who believe it's demonic entities but what they all say that's consistent is you have to heal and integrate and come to have a sense of self-love to resolve what's going on with this whether it's a negative attachment or something more psychological you know so i find it interesting that um people who conceive of it in a very different way um often have the, a very 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 similar solution to engaging with it Mm, yeah because some of it can be chemical 
problems. Yeah, well, we, well, we can't write that out, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, people who study the brain could probably find the answer to some of that, that chemical imbalances within the brain can cause behaviour. Um, certain preservatives or chemicals that we come into contact with could cause alterations in the brain, all that sort of thing. So it, it depends on... You, you get one person that could say have a, a um, I would say hyperactivity hmm. and you could see them say you could say to them oh well they must have an attachment but you you've got to look into the the physical side of things before putting that sort of um, decision onto the situation or you could say well maybe that's a, a chemical imbalance in the brain because of certain additives that that person has taken into their body and it's altering the brain pattern and the way that they behave so there, there's two sides to everything there's a scientific side to look into and then yeah. there's a spiritual yeah. side to look into if you haven't found the answer with the scientific side then you then go into the avenue of looking into the spiritual side as a, a kind of last resort to find out what's truly going on with that person and their behavior so i i do believe that um people say to me oh we we don't need to protect ourselves in the circles we we pray to the light and everything else but believe me you do need to pray to them you do need to look to the light like he says because both my father and i had experienced that and it taught us how to be more wary about those sort of things and to have the right to question what's coming through to question spirit you feel that you need to question them question them yeah he doesn't mind being questioned you can ask everything three times and if they can't answer it you know you know that they're not uh, they're not genuine or they're negative souls trying to be something that they're not so you have got to be um, on your guard and you say them. ask three times what is that significant somebody used to say that to me they used to say um i think it was my the leader at the group she used to say to me if, you, if they don't answer the what you feel is right ask them three times if they say the same thing over and over again you know they're, they're genuine but i suppose you can't go by that concept you have to go by how you feel inside mm. so if, if you were to look into that person's eyes or and, and feel something that you felt wasn't quite right in the way of negativity you say oh, i don't trust that person because there's something behind their eyes i can't quite you know it's a bit like that bit like yeah that. no I, I will say that talking i was apprehensive before i first spoke to um jonathan couple of weeks ago whenever it was um i will say like in the lead up to this i was kind of looking forward to it and i, I felt a kind of like happiness to like ah oh, jonathan again you know there was something I'm, I'm not suggesting people take this as um you know it's just people attach the level of importance as they feel should be there but uh, you know i did feel like it was a very on you i was happy to see jonathan again you know and yourself too but i was like like there was a kind of goodness to it if you, if you see what i mean yeah yeah i build on my trust and, and i question uh, even if him as far as i trust him uh, i will still question still question it's it's just because they are lending our energy and, and our human they're coming into our human world to interact with us you have a right to question them yeah if you mm. if you want to question them do it over and over again i'm sure that they if they're a good soul then they don't mind it because they're presenting you with their truth and they're yeah. letting you know that he, yeah. he did bring me into a dream. He came into the dream and he gave it all symbolically. 
and he was dressed in all his attire and he looked, he looked lovely and I thought, oh, there's some other people dressed the same in this place. Look at this massive building. It was huge, big high ceilings. I should imagine that was some of the, the halls of learning and spirit that they were all circulating in. And he came up to me, he stood about a few feet away and he looked at me and smiled through his eyes. Everything was done through thought. And he had this silver tray in his hand. And it was it's very clean, you know, all polished up. And in the center of the tray, he had a tea light. But the, the tray was lopsided and I thought, that can't be right. That's gonna set the place on fire. If that candle goes, it's gonna set the place alight. And, and he looked at me and said in my mind, he said, no, your tray tilting like that is your doubt. And the tea light is to say, I come from the light. Don't doubt me, I come from the light. And it was all symbolic. I thought that's yeah. so clever mm. for them to present it in a symbolic way and for it to mean something to be true. And after that, I trusted. I thought, well, I know you come from the light now because mm. you've done it in a dream, literally. I haven't had to use my mind and imagine it or anything like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's, that's how it is. You go within, use the eyes, use the signs that they give to you. Um, especially ask them to present it in dream state because you know it will be mm. more trustworthy then. Ask them to send it you symbolically or something that you can actually um, interpret and understand. It's so important for what we do. We yeah. only want to do the highest of good that's what we want to do we want to spread the light and and the more you keep that within yourself the less chance the negatives have got to get in hold of you they mm. will test you they will because uh, i was told they will test you but if you keep the light burning and they they edge away and they think well we can't get to her or him because they're in the light. We'll try somebody else and they'll, they'll test somebody else. If you look in the films about Jesus, he was tested by evil. He was tested mm. by it. But he wouldn't let it get a hold of him. So don't let it envelop you. Just keep going the way that you are in the right direction with the light and you'll be fine. Thank you for listening, everyone. That concludes this interview. If you've listened to the audio version, I would recommend popping onto YouTube as the sight of Elaine channeling Jonathan is something to behold. The question then is what do we make of this? Is Jonathan literally a spirit of a 19th century gentleman? Is he a manifestation of Elaine's subconscious or an aspect of some universal consciousness? Elaine herself has had to struggle with these questions. How would we begin to decide? And what do you think of the questions I asked? Would you have different ones? What follow-up ones would you now have? I'll leave you to ponder these thoughts and look forward to taking this whole inquiry further.